Welcome to White's Ferry Road. Come on in, find a seat. We want to call attention to uh, the announcements that are up on the screen. Uh, they will also be up during our meet and greet time uh, when we release our children here in a little bit. If you are visiting with us, we're especially glad that you have chosen to be here with us today. I've met them as people as far west as Texas, far north as Illinois, and all the way to Georgia, I think, today. So thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. Hang around a little bit, as we always ask, to, so we can get to know you uh, and make you feel welcome and feel part of our family. There'll be some guys walking down the aisles. Uh, if you didn't get a bulletin, wave at them. They'll be glad to give it to you. Today, as is highlighted up here, we do start a, a new season. Registration for a new season of, of Heart to Home uh, begins. If you are a heart mom or have been a heart sister involved in Heart to Home, would you please stand for just a second? It is an amazing ministry. Thank you very much, ladies. I just want to get a visual of that. Very New Testament stuff of, of, of older, mature ladies training and teaching younger ladies. And it is an amazing process of discipling and relationship. We have a short video uh, to kind of show you, so watch with me here for a few moments. The chance that I've gotten to meet people that I would not normally have been able to meet, maybe we're in different circles or we run with different people, and so we probably would have never gotten the chance to know each other outside of heart to home. And my goal has always been to share what I know at this age with younger women, and I always tell the girls, we don't want you to go through some of the things that we had to go through. If we can help you and teach you and give you some insights that will keep you from maybe going through some of the bad experiences that we have, that's our goal. But then the greatest thing is, is to have the vulnerability and the honesty from them to say, you know, I wish I would have done this different. Um, and I appreciate that so, so very much. But what's so wonderful that anybody can be a heart mom. You don't have to have a certain level of education or be a Bible teacher or be a great cook or have a, a dining table with seat 20. All you need to do is just want to be around the other girls and, and to help. So I always come home from heart to home recharged and just more grateful, I think, for the blessings that I have in my life. 
and I learn from them every time. I'm amazed at their, their hearts and their love for their families and their wanting to do the right thing. And if we can share a little bit of that from our life experience with them, then I'm the one that always comes away feeling blessed because I'm so encouraged by the young women coming up. And so I would encourage any, any of you who are even thinking about doing Heart to Home to just jump in there and do it. It may be something that you're not completely comfortable with or you're worried about not knowing people or being in a group with no one you know. The groups that I've been placed in with the least amount of people that I know have always turned out to be the very best ones for me. Being a mom of three daughters, I love the mothering. I loved spending time with my daughters and uh, shopping with them and talking with them about Jesus and talking with them about their problems, their challenges. And so when my daughters grew up and moved away from home, I had an empty feeling that something was really missing in my life. Now through Heart to Home, I've gotten to know these heart moms and um, I'm able to know their families now and know their story and get great advice from their years of wisdom of parenting and being a wife and um, just to know more faces when I show up at church too. That's really great. And, and when I found out about the Heart to Home program, I thought this is exactly what our young women need and our and our older women too our more mature women need this connection with our young people this is a way that we can bridge generations in our congregation this past year I became a mom and I've learned that I need a lot of advice daily and um, it's nice to get a lot of wisdom from other moms that have been through it if you know Jesus Christ and you want to share him with others, you can enjoy Heart to Home. You can, you can find a place there to work in that setting. It never hurts to have more relationships with godly women and women who are seeking to do the same thing you are, and that is honor God as a wife and a mom and as a friend and a sister. And Heart to Home has just blessed me and in turn blessed my husband and my son. I would encourage anyone to get involved in this program and to uh, let it be your heartbeat too. Makes me wish I was a woman <laughs> for just a brief second. It is a, a tremendous ministry, and we do uh, ask that you be involved in that. And there will be some ladies in the back to sign up. Uh, so any questions, be sure and see Joe Neal Kirby and, and the other ladies involved in that. Let's pray as we get started. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to serve for the opportunity to be here as a corporate body of believers, to sing, to worship, to praise you, to inspire and encourage one another, and to hear your word preached. I pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world who have to do this secretly, and I pray for their safety, and I pray for their, their witness and their boldness to continue to proclaim you as the Son of God, died and crucified and risen for us. We love you, and we proclaim that message to the world. It's through your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Church. 
That's a lot of eyeballs. Uh, I didn't realize how big the church was until I stood up in front of all you guys. <laughs> um, I'm a relatively new Christian, and uh, I've only been a Christian for about a year and a half. And um, uh, what I've come to realize very quickly is that there's a lot of things that I just don't know. Um, I have a lot of questions, um, and as I'm studying, reading the scriptures, I, I think of these questions and I try and find answers. And one of my questions is, well, now that I'm a Christian, how do I continue living the right way? What are some important things to do? Um, and what I've come to find out is that being Christian is, is not having a, a list of do's and don'ts. That, that's part of it. There are things that we need to do and things that we don't need to do, but, but that's not the full scope of what being a Christian is. Um, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked a similar question. He, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied in verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's a lot of love. Uh, we're required, commanded to love God with our entire being. So that brought up another question. Well, why, do, why should we love God? And in 1 John chapter 4, and verse 19, we see, We love him because he first loved us. Did you get that, church? The almighty God, the creator of the universe and everything in it, loves us. How much does God love us? Well, we see that in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Going back to 1 John chapter 4, you'll see it says, He loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, I don't know a lot, church, but here's something that I do know. We are all sinners in desperate need for a savior. God gave us that Savior. He gave us His Son, Jesus. Turning to Luke chapter 22, we see that Jesus is sitting down to have a Passover meal with His apostles. And in verse 19 it says, And He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for your mercy. We're so grateful that you loved us so much that you would send your son to act as a sacrifice for our sins, though we don't deserve any of it. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this bread that is the body of your son, our Savior Jesus. Thank you again for him. It's through him I pray. Amen.
Continuing in Luke chapter 22. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for your son. Thank you for the blood that was spilled for us so that our sins could be forgiven. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Lord, bless the fruit of the vine that is the blood of our Savior. It's in his name I pray. Amen. I'd be lying if I said that this was going to be the easy part. <laughs> when, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he told us that we should love God with, all, with our entire being. But he didn't stop there. He continued and gave a, a second commandment. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, here's our chance to show how much we love our neighbors, how much we love the people around this world to show the love that, that we have in our hearts for, for all mankind. We've all been blessed in different ways, and, and I think in this, in this country in particular, we kind of lose sight of how blessed we really are. And I don't know your situation, you don't know mine. I don't know what you have to give, what you don't have to give. You don't know what I have to give, what I don't. 
we're expecting our, our, our first baby. Um, so there's an, a new expense coming up. But the Lord has blessed us greatly. And I want to share that with everybody else. The money that's taken up today goes to so many different ministries in this church. goes to missions, to, to touch the lives of people around the world, not just here. So I pray that whatever you can give, that you will. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I pray that you'll, that you'll open our eyes to, to see the many ways that you've blessed us. I pray that you'll open our hearts, that we can be generous, that we can be giving. I pray that this offering can, can go to good use to, to spread love and to spread your message. We thank you for your son. Thank you for your mercy again. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. 
Good morning, WFR. If you are a regular attender, as David said, we are just so glad to have you back. If you're a visitor, welcome. I hope your welcome has been warm, and we're very glad to have you here today. If you're listening in online from wherever you may be, I want to welcome you also. And our prayer for you online this morning is that you feel a part of the corporate worship going on right here, right now, in West Monroe. We are continuing um, our series called Converge. The word converge means the point and space in time where two lines intersect. And in life, when your ordinary meets God's extra, when those two converge, your life can become extraordinary. So this morning, I, I want to talk to you about one of the things that I feel like could be an impediment to you living an extraordinary life, and that is success. It might sound strange that there could be a disadvantage to success. Let me give you some personal stories as we're trying to kind of intro in to this sermon today. Something that I don't know that I've ever shared with you guys as a church is the first job that I had that I was really really, really successful at. When I got out of inpatient substance abuse treatment, I scoured the area that I resided in for a job, and there was a vet clinic that was hiring a kennel staff associate. A kennel staff associate. And I'm like, man, I, I love dogs. Uh, I could definitely see myself doing whatever a kennel staff associate does. So they interview me, and I'm all enthusiastic, and I'm super motivated, and I tell them I'm a really hard worker, and so they're like, all right, Trent, you got the job. And I proceeded to become the most successful kennel staff attendant that this vet clinic ever employed. Now, the reason that this particular success was a disadvantage to me is because the job was literally a dead end. What my, what my responsibilities were at work is to let out the approximately 100 dogs kenneled in this, cl in this clinic. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. <laughs> and then to clean the material from the floors of the kennels, and, it, and I would do this twice a day. So to let out 100 dogs and clean the kennel materials, it took me about four hours to do it in the morning, and then I'd do a second round in the afternoon, and um, they said that I was great. 
But that's not the area of life you want to be the most successful at is cleaning up after dogs all day, Monday through Friday. Now, I do want to tell on myself a little bit more. That's success in the wrong thing. And success is a disadvantage if you're successful in the wrong thing. Now, the other thing I do want to mention, and I want you guys to put this on your radar, is there are two men's softball teams here at White's Ferry Road. And, the, and one of the teams is the A team, and this guy is 30 years old plus. And the, there's a B team, and this guy is 30 years old and younger. And I'm on the B team. Can the B team guys that are in the audience just raise, raise their hand? There's one guy. There's a couple of guys. Some are ashamed to admit, okay? Um, so... I participate in the softball league, and my impression is that this is going to be fun and games, and nobody's going to get hurt. And I'm looking at the A team, and I'm like, man, they've got it backwards. Probably the B team guys are going to be the most talented. And so I've been giving the A team some flack until we played our first game. Until the B team faced the A team on our first game, and I realized, and, and the B team asked me to be their pitcher. And I'm like, man, anybody could just throw, you know, an underhanded pitch. <laughs> Let me tell you something, church. The throwing of an underhanded pitch is like second only to brain surgery, okay? <laughs> and I have, your, your minister this morning has successfully become the worst church league underhand softball men's pitcher in the entire league. Man. And, and so, again, I've been really, really successful in a way that doesn't actually add value or meaning to my life. So those are two stories that I'm, I'm trying to break the ice with a little bit this morning. My first job and my really, really poor start to my career as a men's softball, a, a men's underhanded softball pitcher. But I want to give you some illustrations from Scripture on when success can be a disadvantage. And so if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to start here in verse 11. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 16, verse 11. And, and let me give you just a little bit of the context. I'm going to go back and cover some of the backstory here. But, but there are four people currently on a missionary journey in Europe. The Apostle Paul, uh, his sidekick at this point in time is Silas. And this is Paul and Silas's journey. This is Paul's second missionary journey. And Paul has just converted a young man by the name of Timothy. So Timothy is also accompanying Paul and Silas. And Luke, a physician who is the writer of the book of Acts, and also the gospel of Luke, which bears his name in the New Testament, is with these guys. So there's four men together. And they're, they're traveling in Europe, finding men and women that they can establish churches with. So in Acts chapter 16, verse 11, we're going to pick up some of their traveling, and, and I'm going to read here to you. From Tros, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Th Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis, and from there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. We stayed there several days. 
On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited, them into her, she invited us into her home, saying, If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And so she persuaded us. There is a lesson on the disadvantage of success that I want to make obvious from the Apostle Paul and his response to this scenario. And the first thing I want to say this morning, and I've already kind of alluded to it with my first job, I was really, really successful as a kennel staff attendant. And, and luckily for me, that wasn't a great success, but there are times when past successes minimize seemingly smaller present successes. There are times in life when past successes minimize seemingly smaller present successes. Let me say this to take it a step further. One way your ordinary life can stay completely ordinary is when things you've done in the past and experienced victory in distract you from moments of victory you are living in in your present. Now let's try and draw some connections here from what I just said to what's going on with the Apostle Paul and his traveling companions at this point in time in his second missionary journey. The Apostle Paul was converted in Acts chapter 9 in verse 18, Luke records scales having fallen from Paul's eyes after Ananias prays with him and he receives his sight. So Paul was this persecutor of the church who's on his way to Damascus to imprison and torture Christians because of their uprising against Judaism and Jewish practice uh, as perceived by the Pharisees. And on the way to Damascus, the Lord Jesus himself asked Saul, uh, who we know as the Apostle Paul, why Paul was persecuting Jesus and the people of Jesus. Saul is struck blind. His traveling companions lead him to Damascus where Ananias prays for him, and he receives his sight. From that point, for three years, Paul goes and is directly taught from God on the truth of the gospel in a place called Arabia. You might not have picked that up. It's actually found in Galatians, the first chapter, the 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th verses. Paul talks about the years directly following his conversion. So he spends three years in the desert, and then he spends another seven to ten years in Syria or in Cilicia, studying under church leadership and getting taught and ministering to the churches in those congregations. So from the time he is converted to the time he begins his ministry, about 10 years goes by. And so Paul is sent then by the church of Antioch on his first missionary journey, and Paul and Barnabas and Luke are out rocking and rolling for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Barnabas then have a little bit of a disagreement and Paul decides to take Silas and go back to Asia to, to, to revisit some of the churches they had established there and to establish some new churches. And so my impression of Paul is that he's got his sights set 
on the victories that the Holy Spirit helped him win with churches in Asia. And that he wants to go back and visit these churches and reestablish new churches. And that it's going to be some big, huge, awesome move of God. And as he and Silas set out, the Bible records in Acts chapter 16, I didn't read it here, but this is some of the context, that the Spirit prevents them from going into Asia. Why? Because God had a different plan. I think Paul's sights are set big. He wants to revisit these churches. He wants to do something incredible in Asia. And the Spirit says, no, you're needed elsewhere. And so Paul and Silas and Timothy are traveling around And through prayer, Paul receives a vision one night, also in Acts chapter 16, of a man of Macedonia who is begging for help. And so Paul tells his traveling companions, Timothy, Silas, and Luke, let's go to Macedonia. There's someone there that needs us. And so they travel to the area of Macedonia, and then they've got a decision to make. Where are we going to try and establish a church And they decide to try and establish a church or connect with a synagogue in Philippi. And that's in the text that I just read. Now in the area of Macedonia, Philippi was one of the richest, if not the richest city. It was a Roman colony that had been established because of the gold mines in that area. And so there would have been wealthy people, there would have been Roman citizens, there would have been a culture predicated on government by Caesar that the Roman people had to devout themselves to as though Caesar was God. And and Paul and his traveling companions start to look, and and, in Acts 16, what I read, if you'll recall, they are looking for a synagogue to minister in for a few days. Paul's thinking big. He wants a synagogue, he wants church leaders, he wants to minister, he's got anointing, he's got his sights set on Asia, God closed that door, he's thinking there's got to be something big for me in Europe, he goes to Macedonia, he goes to the biggest city, he's looking for a big synagogue, he's looking for days, and he doesn't find anything. And so he and his companions decide there has got to be a meeting of Jews somewhere in this region so they go to a place that they assume is going to be a gathering of people for prayer so the first thing that i want to say here this morning about not letting past successes distract you from seemingly smaller present successes is that you have to start somewhere Paul goes to Philippi he doesn't find exactly what he's looking for this isn't the area that he had imagined himself in And so he goes to a place where he thinks people are going to be that are teaching and learning about God. And he goes there, and what does he find? A small group of ladies and no men. Now here's what's interesting. According to Jewish law, it would have taken ten men to establish a synagogue. And so here's what's sad to me, that in the whole area of Philippi, this wealthy Roman colony, there are not ten men who are willing to rise up and say, we need to stand together for our faith. And there's some different theories about why that is, but the bottom line is they weren't there. Now think about Paul. He had been on these missionary journeys. He's got the anointing. He's got the preparation. Three years in the desert, another few years studying and teaching at local churches. He gets sent out. He's ready to go. His first meeting with people in Europe is going to be big. I think he's looking for, for something huge, for something awesome. And he finds a small group of overlooked ladies, 
gathering by a riverside to pray. But Paul doesn't let his past successes distract him from where God has him at that moment. He sees the need and he begins to minister. What is it, church, in your life that is distracting you from the opportunity for ministry that is probably staring you right in the face? What are you missing in the lives of your children? Husbands, how are you dropping the ball and ministering to your wives? Ladies, how are you missing the mark at seeing your husband's need and not meeting that need? It's right in front of your face. But maybe you're looking for something as big as things that have happened in your past to happen in your present, to get zapped by the Spirit, and then boom. And I, I, I have to think that Paul is looking for something like that, but he comes to this place and realizes my ministry in Europe has to start somewhere, and he goes for it. He starts teaching these ladies about Jesus. You've got to start somewhere, and sometimes you may have to start small. You got to start somewhere and you got to start small. You got to realize that God can use a small thing to bring about a big purpose. There are only two of you listening. When I when I say something like that, you got to say amen, all right? Or I'll I'll ramble and I'll start talking about my men's softball league, okay? God uses small things to bring about big changes. So, so the first group of people that Paul connects with in Europe is a group of ladies because there are no men around to do the job that they should be doing. He starts with them, and he's okay with starting small. Now, some of the story we don't get until later is that likely this group of ladies began a really powerful church in this area. And later when Paul is imprisoned, this church sends a guy named Epaphroditus to Paul while he's in prison. And so the seed that Paul plants in this small community gives birth to a big church, a loving church, a church that is committed to the gospel of Christ. And when Paul is in an hour of need, this little seemingly no no significance to this group of people ends up coming back to Paul in a huge, big way. And I think either through pride or arrogance or insecurity, we assume that it's got to be us doing something big. Man, I want to actually be the one that dips them into the water. When maybe it's your job just to cast a few loving seeds. I want to stand in front of thousands and I want to preach and I want to teach and I want corporate anointing to fall and I want the dynamics of the room to be electric and I want people to come to know Jesus Man, but what if it's right in your own family where you're supposed to start? What if you are raising the next Billy Graham? What if the next Beth Moore is sitting at your dinner table waiting for you to teach her about Jesus and live a life of integrity that will lead her towards God's calling for her life? So my hope is that you don't set your sights so big, but that you keep working and you don't let bigness and largeness distract you from what could be going on right in front of you. And and Paul starts smart. What's he looking for? What is he looking for? He's looking for a man from Macedonia. That's what his crosshairs are set on. That's what the Spirit says he is needed in Macedonia. This is some guy who's praying and needs you. But Paul knows that where he is at is the best place to start and that God's got him there for a purpose. And I'm glad you're here this morning. Man, I love WFR. 
And we've got as much talent here as we've got anywhere, except on the men's B-team softball team, okay? But there are some skills that can be taught, bless the Lord. And what I lack in talent, I make up for in enthusiasm, all right? And my encouragement to you is that you start smart and realize that God has you here for a reason. You're needed. God has unlimited resources and unlimited time, and he puts you right here in West Monroe. And so my hope is that like Paul, who met these believers, who met these Jewish people who believed in God but were not Christians, that he plugged into them and invested in their lives, and he knew God had him there for a purpose. And God's got you here for a purpose as well. So let's transition now. If, if the Apostle Paul can go through effective ministry and then meet a group of people that he doesn't expect, that are smaller than he would have maybe liked, that are not exactly who he would have planned, if he can start his whole European ministry with that group of people, what is it that you're missing that's probably right under your nose that God intends for you to make something big out of? Man, let's do it. We're busting at the seams at WFR. Let's get ready to get to work. Let's get ready to encourage the people sitting to our left and to our right and behind us and in front of us. Let's pray over each other. Let's make the most of what we got and let's get ready for God to do something big. All right, let's look at the other person in this story that I think can teach us a lesson about the disadvantages of success. If Paul would have let his old successes influence his present scenario, maybe he would have lost focus and not ministered to that group of ladies that ended up establishing a powerful church and actually ministering to him in the future. The other person that I'd like to mention here is a lady named Lydia. And I think the lesson that she has to teach us about how success can become a disadvantage is when you are successful in the wrong things. When you're successful in the wrong things. So let me give you a little bit of background on Lydia. I gave you some background on the Apostle Paul. Let me give you some background on Lydia. She is from an area uh, of a country named Thyatira. And Thyatira was known for producing purple dye that you could dye uh, fabric with, and it was worth a fortune. Now, the reason it was so costly to purchase purple dyed fabrics is a result of the manufacturing process used to acquire this purple dye. So in this region, there was a shellfish that was brightly colored that had a gland, a really small gland, and if you extracted the shellfish from the shell and you took the dye from that gland, from one shellfish you got a drop of dye and it killed the shellfish. And so the second part of that was then you could crush the shell once the, the, the animal inside it had been destroyed. You could crush the shell and if you crushed enough shells, hundreds of thousands, you could also generate some purple dye from the material produced from crushing the shell. So my family and I were at the beach uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, we saw some shellfish that really look a lot like the fish used to make this purple dye. And I, what the shellfish looked like were hermit crabs. Raise your hand if you've ever seen a hermit crab. So it's not very big, so you can imagine how many shells you would have to crush 
to get some substance from that and how small the fish are inside. And w- while we were looking around on the beach, we saw uh, two hermit crabs that were boyfriend and girlfriend. And one, the boyfriend said, you know what, it's getting hot out here. I'm going to go get us an ice cream cone back from the you know, house. And so he goes and gets the ice cream cone and uh, gets one for himself and one for her. And he starts eating his because it's hot and it starts to melt. And he finishes his and it's taking a long time to get back to her. And so he starts licking hers. And before he knows it, he's finished her ice cream cone. So he gets back and she looks at him and she says, Babe, where, where is my ice cream cone? And he says, Honey, it just started to melt. I started to lick it because it was getting all over me. And before I knew it, I had eaten the whole thing. And she looks at him and says, I can't believe you are so shellfish. Man, God bless you guys. You're so, you're so shellfish. Man, some of you guys have done that before, you shellfish guys. So the way they extract this purple dye was from a gland in the shellfish or by crushing the shells of these shellfish. And it took a lot of work to produce enough dye necessary to be able to dye a cloth deep enough to recognize it as a purple. And so the region of Thyatira had likely established regional offices in wealthy cities in which they could sell the purple cloth that they had manufactured. Enter into the story Lydia. Now here's what's interesting. This would have been a male-dominated society. And yet here we see a woman in charge of the region of uh, the country that was probably one of the most important economic regions for the sale of purple fabric. And so likely the manufacturers in Thyatira would have positioned their best business leader and salesperson over Philippi. There's lots of money, it's a Roman colony, there's lots of wealth, commerce is booming, and they put their best over that area. And it's important to note that they put Lydia. Now, theologians think one of two things happened. Either Lydia and her husband were in charge of the area, and he passed away, and she inherits that responsibility, and that agency trusts her to continue running that region, or they put her directly in charge. Either way, that Lydia was able to achieve a level of prominence in business and commerce at that day, at that time, in that place is significant beyond compare. Can you imagine what a lady would have to go through in a patriarchal society society to be successful? How she would have to shun men who would make sexual advances, offering her a bargain if she would just comply? Or how she was likely mistreated and not taken seriously, and yet continued to be diligent and disciplined and working? not taking no for an answer and coming time and time again until finally she had established a business relationship. This was a persistent, successful woman who was also single, who also, as far as we can tell from the text, had a family. And we don't take time to talk about this very often, but I want to just tell you, if you've ever been or currently are a single parent, you are a rock star. 
It takes all of the effort that I can muster combined with all the effort that my wife can to manage the awesome kids that God has given us. And we got great kids. But to try and do that by myself would be a huge big task that I don't know that I could do. And I would definitely rely on God's strength to help me to do that. If that's you this morning, then I just want to tell you to press on and keep going and trust God and let him be everything that you don't feel like you have the strength to be. And what we learned from the story of Lydia, and I'm going to get into this some, is that her persistence and her discipline did eventually pay off. She was a success, and she had made it in business, and she had a household, and she probably had servants, and she probably had uh, employees. And eventually, the solution that she was really seeking walked up to her one day when she had gathered for prayer. Now, think about the fatigue of this lady to be that successful in business in that harsh of an environment. And now what does she do? She doesn't find a synagogue, so she develops a little uh, area of prayer. And apparently she recruits some people to participate. So this is a lady that's tirelessly seeking. Let me mention a couple of things about her life, and then we're going to wrap up this morning. I'm not going to be shellfish with your time today. One thing that we learn from the life of Lydia is it's okay to be successful as long as you stay focused. It's okay to be successful as long as you stay focused. What do you mean, Trent? Man, here was a lady in the midst of the best business setup imaginable. She sold a product that nobody else could sell, and because supply was so low, demand would have been high, and she could set a price wherever she wanted. She had made it financially. She had arrived. But there is nothing on this earth that has been designed to fulfill us. It doesn't matter how much money is in your checking account. It doesn't matter how big your house is. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes you wear, what kind of vehicle you drive. If you don't stay focused on eternity, your life is always going to feel ordinary. And what we see from Lydia is that she had an inclination for God. She was likely converted to Judaism somewhere in Thyatira and stayed faithful to that religion while she is conducting her business in Philippi. She cannot find men to help lead her, and so she develops a group of prayer. She had a focus. And I ask you to examine your hearts. Are you successful in the wrong things, church? Have you decided to define success through materialism? through what other people think, through how good you look when you see you staring back at you when you glance in a mirror, I promise you the end of defining success by any of those means is misery. I implore you to continue to stay focused on eternity and more specifically the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I promise you if you will stay connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be fulfilled. Delight yourself in the Lord And what? And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, church, and he will direct your paths. I think we often get it twisted. We put the cart before the horse. When I'm looking for things of this earth to fulfill me in a way that only my creator can. 
And I think that was the strength of Lydia. Here's a single lady trying to care for her family, trying to make something happen, begging God, give me something. I know there's more. And she stays focused on eternity, and God does what he always does. He delivers. The second thing that, that I think is important to recognize, if, if maybe you're caught up in being successful in the wrong things, is to pay attention to your weaknesses. Pay attention to your weaknesses. Here was a successful lady, wealthy, wealthiest lady in the region likely, with servants and employees. And yet, what do we find her doing on a Sabbath day? Man, she's not at some uh, political party. She's not rubbing shoulders with the who's who in the commerce networks of Philippi. She knows that there are things in her life probably that she can't do outside of God's influence. And so she's gathering for prayer. One way I think you can keep your life really, really ordinary is by never, ever working on areas in which you are weak. I want you to leverage your strengths. Lean on them. Trust that God's given you talents that he's given nobody else and that you have something to offer. But don't be so bold as to assume that your strengths are going to sustain you through the times that are most difficult. The thing that sustains you is your dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is through our weaknesses that we realize that we have to have Jesus. That without him we're nothing. That we can do no thing without him strengthening us. But praise God that through Jesus Christ we can do all things. Praise God that even in my weaknesses my strength is perfect. Because my weaknesses promote my dependence on a God who is incalculably strong and infinitely great and is never, ever not right by my side trying to show me through whatever storm it is that I'm in in life. And it is my weaknesses that help me appreciate my need for that kind of a God. And if you're looking at yourself and you're just seeing your strengths, you're kidding yourself. And my prayer is, if you're seeing all your strengths, then probably you're strong in the wrong things. And that's a huge disadvantage if you're trying to live an extraordinary life. The other thing I want to mention to you this morning, church, is to keep looking. Keep looking. Lydia had found her way into some great stuff. Man, here's a single lady with integrity, with self-discipline and self-control. She was a Jew. She was a worshiper of God. But she came up short, and she knew it, and there was something there that kept her looking for more. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers, says that if you find yourself longing for more than this world has to offer, consider perhaps that you were created for another world. Now, some of you walked in this morning, and you've, you've been moderately successful, but you know that there's more. Some of you have been really beat up in life. And some of you feel like, I haven't been successful at all, and you've been looking, and you've been looking, and you've been looking. Well, I want to tell you this morning that the same God that Paul administered to Lydia that day on the shore is right here this morning. And if you've been looking, and you've been looking, and you've tried drugs, or you've tried alcohol, or you've tried uh, a number of different things, 
and you've realized the truth that none of that is fulfilling and it's led to broken heart and frustration and fear and depression, then I want to tell you this morning, it's time to stop looking because what you've been searching for, you can find right here, right now, today. And this is the purpose for which you've been created. And if you really have found yourself searching for more than this world has to offer, welcome to the club. Because you were created for a different world. James says, our lives are like a vapor. Some translations say, we're like mists. We're here one day and we're gone the next. And if you've just been floating by, tossed to and fro by the wind, trying to find success in different things other than Jesus, I want to tell you it's time to get anchored down while you're still here and experience some peace and some joy and some purpose. Man, what, what ends up happening with Lydia, we, we don't know the whole story. We know she invites Paul and Silas and Timothy to her home. And, and tradition says that she probably helped establish a church that later ministered to Paul. But this is all governed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who uses Paul's ministry to establish the first European church and then eventually encourage Paul. The same spirit that's going to lead Paul and Silas through some incredible experiences. That's the same spirit that can make your ordinary, simple, everyday life extraordinary. I'm going to close right now. I don't know what your need is, but I don't think it's coincidence that you're here this morning. And my hope is that if there's a need, if there's a burden that feels too heavy for you to bear, that you'll come forward and let this family pray over you. We love that. Maybe you're out there and you've searched for success in everything except Jesus. We want to start talking to you about that. Maybe today you're ready to be baptized into Christ. We want to immerse you in if that's you. Whatever the need is this morning, while these guys sing the verse of a song, take this opportunity and be ministered to today. I will change your
Jeffrey, stand on up here with me. Oh, well, man. It's Jeffrey Harper, and he is uh, he's going to become our brother today. And uh, so, and we are very proud. He said, I want to be baptized. I said, well, buddy, we can make that happen for sure. So uh, based on everything that uh, you've been taught, uh, we're going to take your confession here. Uh, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died and rose again for you? Yes, sir. And you ready to make him the Lord of your life? Yes, sir. Let's go make it happen. Your uncle's going to baptize you there. So Y'all head on back. <laughs> also want to... Stand up here, girl. Family, I'd like y'all to meet uh, Sydney the Green. And she wants to make the Lord of her life today and be baptized into Christ. So her daddy's going to baptize her, and I've got a question for you. Who's going to be the Lord of your life from this day forward? Jesus. Amen. One of our uh, long-term members, uh, Herb Jones, uh, as long as I can remember, been members here, has uh, asked for some special prayers for his wife, Tina. Uh, she's having a biopsy tomorrow, and they think there's cancer in both lungs. Uh, been some issues there for a little while. So uh, she's in Glenwood, room 351, trying to figure out where the source of things are. So we're going to uh, have a special prayer uh, for, for Tina and uh, also for her as well. Thank you, Father, for uh, the direction uh, that we can come to you uh, directly uh, to offer these before you. And I pray a special prayer for Tina. Right now, as I know, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of concern uh, of what's going on and what's happened, a lot of unknowns. And I thank you that, that she and Herb turned to, to your people, such faithful, strong members here consistently for so many years. And uh, I pray that uh, as they go in tomorrow with this biopsy that, uh, that they find nothing. I pray for healing, and I pray for strength and for courage and, and for just a solid foundation that they stand on. Uh, to put their hope and trust in you. Thank you for hearing us, and we pray your will be done. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church family, I got uh, a, a guy that is just near and dear to me up here. And some of you know this guy. This is John Grigson. And uh, John is, is uh, working his tail off to try and do the right thing here and he wanted me to share with you guys that he's relapsed recently John's been at this church for a while and he's been in ministry in the prisons and 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 encouraging people and and doing all sorts of things and when you're trying to take a big stand for God the enemy is going to unleash an arsenal on you and I've been connected with John for a few years and if it's not been an arsenal I don't know what it is uh, but but the enemy has just been beating him up and and John is wanting to get humble in front of you guys. And he is wanting to submit to, to the leadership of this congregation and just plead for prayers and for encouragement and for direction. And he's back on his feet. He's been doing good for a little while now. And um, God's already beginning to restore him. But he wanted to make it publicly known that he had made a mistake and that he loves you guys and he depends on you. And he is asking you to help him walk through this. And so, John, I'm just going to lift you up in front of these guys. Man, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And let's pray right now. 
Precious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your son, John Grigson. And I thank you so much, God, for protecting him this far. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that your spirit would heal his addiction. I ask, God, in the name of Jesus that you would give him deliverance and peace from this. You've already given a measure of deliverance and peace, and I just ask that that would continue. God, I ask that John would get connected to men here who would just encourage him through this. God, that you'd open doors for him to be an encouragement. And that you would help this fellowship pray over him and love on him as he tries so desperately to become more and more like Jesus. Thanks, God, for putting him in my life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to lift up another great friend of mine. This is Linda Tripp, and she's just joined the church recently. But she's been a big presence in the community, helping people for a long time. And her son right now is going through one of the toughest battles anybody could face. He's committed a crime, and he is incarcerated, and it looks like he's going to do some serious time. Bail is set astronomically high, and this is a mama who is afraid she's not ever going to get to see her son again. And so she's just coming down just brokenhearted, and she just desperately wants to see her baby and love on him and hug him. And, and I'm begging you, please be praying for Linda's son, Taylor, and that if there's any way for him to be able to be released in a couple of years or, or somehow, God, to do something in this situation that, that turns it around, that's what we're asking for. And please pray for Linda that she's able to be sustained in this. Let's lift her up right now. Precious Heavenly Father, this is just one of those deals that just breaks our hearts. When the enemy uses his strategies so much on an individual that that person commits some grievous acts and ends up incarcerated. And God, Taylor is a good man with a good heart, and he got caught up in some junk and made a bad decision. And Lord, he may have to pay a consequence for that. And I ask that if there's a way for that consequence to be uh, minimal, that it would be. And that if there's a way for him to be released, that you'd find a way. And God, I ask that no matter what happens, you would sustain Linda's heart. Let her feel surrounded by this body of, of, of Christians who love her and support her and who are going to walk through this with her. God, I ask that you'd help us to shelter this in prayer. And God, that your spirit would remain centered around both Linda and Taylor and this whole family. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Jeffrey Harper, upon your confession that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. From now on, everybody in this congregation will be your forever family as well. Church, um, Sheena Thirdkill.
has come this morning with two things to share. One is that she's been out of pocket for a while. She's recently come back, and she said this has been absolutely amazing. Everybody is wonderful. She is so, so grateful to have her life straightened out with the Lord again. It's just been everything about it couldn't be better. There's one, one negative thing, and that's her husband, Cletus, who uh, she's trying so hard to be a, an influence on to change some things for him. And so she's, she's laid herself before you this morning. She wants our, our prayers for that task at hand, and that is to try to make a difference for him. So uh, let's, let's go to the Father on her behalf. Father, thank you so much for Sheena and her heart. We're so grateful that she's here with us, so grateful that things are going uh, amazingly well between you and her. We're thankful for that first and foremost. And Father, in this, uh, in this challenge she has with Cletus, we, Father, we pray you soften his heart. Pray that you break him down, whatever it takes, to bring him to his knees before you. And I pray for Sheena to give her strength in that process, that she can be the example and the loving wife to him that, uh, that she is. And we pray that amazing things, amazing spiritual things take place within him and that uh, they can find themselves as not only husband and wife, but as, as brothers and sisters in Christ and can live a life for you. Please bless her. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. This is Danielle. Danielle, do you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Upon your confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. This is Gary. Gary, do you believe that Jesus he is your Lord and Savior? Upon your confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins.
family, this is JC. JC, I'll ask you the same question. Did you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Upon your confession, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. D'Angelo DiGiovanni comes forward, and uh, he's been with us for a little while now, and he's been a pretty amazing story, but uh, struggling a little bit with finances and finding a job. He had an injury to his arm, and uh, it's caused him to, have to take some time off from work, and he's really comes this morning just hoping and praying for a job, an opportunity to stay here so he can stay connected with his family. So we're going to lift him up this morning and pray for that opportunity to make it happen, and also just keep praying for his arm to heal on up so he can have the strength to do the work that's needed. Let's lift him up. Dear Father, thank you so much for uh, D'Angelo and just his heart, Father, and his recovery and just uh, the efforts that he's put in to um, turn his life around, Father. And I thank you for his request this morning to uh, look for an opportunity to stay connected with his family so he can stay on his road to recovery and keep growing and maturing in his relationship with you, Father. I just pray for that opportunity. Lord, I pray for the healing of his arms so that he can get back and have the strength that he needs to do the work that's necessary, Father. But most of all, thank you for his heart and for his efforts in staying sober and staying on his recovery. In your son's name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Shelly Hester comes this morning, and uh, she had to get some tests run, and um, having some health concerns right now. Uh, they found a blockage in one of her kidneys, and there's several different other things that are going on. She's not real sure what the next step is, but she just you know, has some concerns this morning, and uh, she just asked for prayers for healing, and uh, so she can feel herself and uh, be able to do things that she was doing. So we're just going to lift her up this morning. Dear Father, Lord, I just want to lift Shelly up right now just to you, Father, and, uh, and the doctors that are looking over her, Father. And let's pray for these tests, uh, that there's an opportunity, that uh, there's healing that may take place and uh, not require surgery, Father. And just uh, be with Shelly and her family as she goes through this time, Father. And if she does have to go in the hospital or face surgery, that you just heal her up quickly, Father, and just uh, be with the doctors that overlook her and just... Uh, Thank you so much for her request this morning. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. Christy Evans responds this morning, and uh, this past week, her uh, father passed away, and uh, it's been pretty hard for Christy. She's been dealing with a lot of anger and just uh, questions and different things of that nature, and she just comes this morning just uh, asking for that anger, anger to be taken from her. Um, to have understanding, to know that her dad's in a good place, and uh, to have that peace of mind that she can 
live a healthy life here on this earth and uh, do the things that are required of her so that she can see him one day as well. So we're going to lift Christy up this morning and just pray for that anger. Dear and Father, Lord, I just come to you again, and uh, I thank you for moments like this, Father, where we can bring anything before you. Right now, I just lift up Christy and uh, her anger and her recovery, Father, as well. She has a big responsibility in raising her daughter and uh, living a sober life, Father. And I just pray that you give her that peace of mind that she can make good decisions, to stay connected, Father, with this family, to surround herself with positive people that will keep her on track. Lord, I pray for her anger. I pray that you take it away from her and give her that peace and that love that you've given us through your son, Father. Just watch over Christy during this time and just give her that understanding. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This morning, church family, Shirley comes forward, and you can you can just this is just fine. It's been all right. She comes forward, and she's been battling an injury to her left foot for for a while, and she has shingles on that foot, and and she made her way down despite the pain. Just asking for you guys to lift her up, and we believe we serve a God who is still Lord of the physical body, and we believe that the God we serve is capable of healing that body. And she's been battling this for five months, and she's ready for some victory and healing right here. That five months uh, of battle has kept her out of work, and she's experiencing some financial hardship that she would also like us to lift up to the God who has cattle on a thousand hills and can meet your every need, surely. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my dear sister, Shirley, that she is humble enough to come forward and say, I need you, God. I need your healing. I need your hand in my life. And God, we confess that you are Lord of the physical body and that you are capable of healing this. And we ask in Jesus' name that you hear this prayer and that you heal this dear sister. God, I thank you for hearing that prayer. And I also ask God in the name of Jesus that you would restore some financial prosperity to Shirley. God, begin blessing her again financially. And as you heal her foot, Lord, we know that you're going to continue to restore her financially. God, I ask that you would bring Shirley's name to the minds of those here today and that we together as a family would lift her up. And I ask that that would strengthen her. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Family, uh, Robbie Humphreys comes this morning, and Robbie's been, been with us in our houses for about two years now, and uh, he's decided it's time to get out on his own. He wants to get his sons back, uh, and uh, he just wants our prayers for him to make good decisions and to be strong, so we're going to pray for him now. Most Heavenly Father, we do lift up Robbie to you, Father, and... Uh, Father, I pray that you look over Robbie, that you give him the strength and the wisdom to make the right decisions in his life. Father, I pray that uh, you give him the, the humbleness to stay in contact and to lean on other brothers and to help him to make it through this. Father, I pray for his sons. I pray that uh, Robbie is, I know he's going to have them this summer. I pray that, that everything goes well and that they will soon be returned to him where he can raise them as young godly men. Father, we love you, and again, we lift Robbie up for strength, for wisdom, for whatever he needs. Father, I just pray that you'll be with him and watch over him. Thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, amen.
My brother Paul Bass comes today, and uh, you know, you have you ever lost your hope? This man has lost his hope, and then, and uh, he did some things that he regrets. Uh, but the thing about it is, it helped him to see that he did have hope, and he saw it through God and what God has done with him. He saw it through the love that you had for him, and the prayers that you've sent up to him for him. And uh, he wants to tell you that he's very grateful for that and for all of his family here and the love that they have for him. And uh, I'm proud of you, son. That's a good deal. We're going to be with you, okay? And Whitney, you hang in there, okay? We're going to keep praying for you, too. All right. Father, I do pray that you'll be with Paul and that uh, you'll give him the clarity, the wisdom, the strength, the knowledge, whatever it needs, Father, that uh, to keep the hope that he has in you and uh, that he'll be able to rely on you more than he relies on himself or any other thing in this world. Father, I do pray for Whitney that you'll be with her too, that she can be an encouragement to him as he is to her. We love you, Father, and just thank you for this couple. Thank you for uh, all that you did through him. And it's through him that we pray. Amen. Jonathan Mundweiler uh, has come forward, uh, ran into some trouble this week, and uh, uh, created by anger issues. And uh, he just will ask uh, that you can, would continue to pray for him for strength to be a better father, a better husband, and just a better man. Um, life is tough, and, uh, and he made some mistakes. And we just pray that uh, he'll learn from this and move forward in a way that would be uh, what God would call him to be. Father, thank you so much for second chances, third chances, and fourth chances. Sometimes we're hard-headed and sometimes we're just weak, but you call us to be more than that. And through your spirit and through encouragement from your family, we can, we can achieve things that we never believed we could. And I just pray that you'll be with Jonathan and, uh, and strengthen him. Help him to see the dangers of, um, of behavior that's not what you would have us to be and, and get the help that he needs and get the, and the strength from your uh, spirit that he can be the man, the husband, and the father that he uh, deeply hopes to be. We just pray this for Jonathan in Christ's name we pray, amen. A couple more announcements and before we dismissed. Uh, Mitch Phillips, who uh, asked for prayers a few weeks ago and actually was baptized here, uh, was struggling with cancer and passed away Friday and want to uh, remember him and his family. Also, uh, Kenny Pilot, uh, most of us uh, would know his dad as Chico, uh, he had just returned from Kuwait and served uh, there and uh, is just really, really struggling on his return. So we want to remember Kenny in that. And also Ryan and Linda Hammett, they are requesting prayers for their brother-in-law, Keith Anderson. He was in a car accident Friday night and uh, has a neck injury. He can feel some below his neck, but he has no movement at this point. Just want to pray for uh, Keith and his family as they deal with this. If you're visiting again, we want you to know how honored we are to have you here. Uh, this is a church that is obviously very open and honest about the struggles that we have and the difficulties in life, but yet we have confidence in a God that can strengthen us and a family and do that. Uh, weakness is, uh, is something that even our minister today confessed, his pitching ability and obviously one he needs to confess in on joke telling uh, is a serious problem, but, uh, but we love him trying. So uh, uh, let's pray. Fathers, we uh, end our, our worship time. We do pray that we honored you. As your family here, we, do, we try very hard to honor you 
we study and seek your will, and uh, we hope we've pleased you. We hope we've been encouraging to uh, the family here and, uh, and to those that are visiting. We pray for safety upon their travels. And Father, though, more importantly, as we leave here, we really want to be your ambassadors. Men and women, boys and girls, that confess uh, that you are who you claim to be and that our hope is found through your Son. And we look forward to the day that we'll be with you in heaven. And we do that by everything that we say and everything we do is a reflection on you. And we pray, Father, that we will understand our weaknesses, cling to you as we build and work to be the men and women that you've called us to be and who you saw us to be, even though we don't see ourselves that way. But as we leave here, Father, we just pray as your family that we will go and proclaim your name. And it's through your son we pray. Amen.